are listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 32, The Power of Superstition. Hello, Big Chillers. Welcome again to the Big Chill Podcast. Joined, as always, with Sam and Eddie. Who, who wants to start off? Who's got the better weekend update for us? Uh, I'm in lockdown. Absolutely nothing happened with me this weekend. <laughs> I mean, the new Xbox is coming out tomorrow, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the next gen. That'll, yeah, that'll keep me I'd be excited about that during lockdown. I'd be excited about that too if I had the internet that's required to make it work. Otherwise, it's just an extremely expensive brick that can sit in my living room. <laughs> so, speaking hey. of internet gate, what's uh, what's what's going on there? Yeah, can we assume you'll never so have internet? Can we just make that it's assumption? Not, yeah, it, it's coming close. Um, Friday, a technician actually came. So I have switched internet providers and a technician came. He Is it the same install... one from, from Orange? No, <laughs> just with like a mustache. Too. With like a mustache on. <laughs> Hello again. It was, a different, <laughs> it was a different technician. He actually did the job. He installed it. He seemingly did a nice job in terms of actually like drilling the hole, feeding the cable through the hole. Wow, <laughs> such tough, wow. Such tough oh, things wow. to do. I don't think um, anyone that isn't trained can do that. Three months into making. And during that, and while he did it, he very pleasantly ranted about how um, COVID-19 is fake and how we shouldn't be having a lockdown and how the lockdown was stupid because they don't have a lockdown in Texas and because... Uh, they're treating it as if during this lockdown, okay, you can't get COVID, but you can you also not get cancer or AIDS? <laughs> Which I like. He like lives in daily fear. <laughs> I mean, technically, this lockdown. <laughs> technically, this lockdown actually should be reducing the number of people contracting HIV. So he is actually kind of wrong there. If you are following the protocols. But I very, I just pleasantly, like I smiled and nodded because I didn't want him to stop installing it. So I just kind of agreed with him while he went anything at this point to get internet. That thing, you know, when you kind of like shift your eyes a little bit to the focus that you want them to be doing. (laughs) No, 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 no. I just, I full on, I tried to make it as not uncomfortable. I would have probably agreed to almost anything at that moment in time. (laughs) So. Anything to get internet, you'll you'll agree with like the biggest racist bigot oh, in yes. all of France. As oh yeah, long no, hundred percent. You can give me Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Now, if he had been like, draw this picture of Muhammad and hang it out of your window right now, and I'll <laughs> and I'll drill this hole, I would have been like, done, no problem. <laughs> Sir, why did you drill? Why did you drill that hole in the wall in the form of a swastika? Oh, that's necessary. Trust me. Okay, sounds good. He's just pulling the wiring through the wall and it just makes a sort of sticker. It's like, is that is that intentional? <laughs> Looks great, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and so, yeah, it seemed to go really well and it kind of triggered the process. So like I, for example, get a free Netflix subscription with this internet uh, subscription and they emailed <laughs> Netflix, Netflix email yeah. me on Friday. Do you know you need internet for that? Yes, I yeah, love yes. how they're playing you along here. You're just taking everything hook, line, and sinker. So Netflix emailed me on Friday, gave me the little code to put in so they would get a free Netflix account. And then Saturday morning, I woke up to an email from Free, my internet service provider, telling me that they'd 
detected a small problem with my line and that they would try their best to resolve it as soon as possible. <laughs> and oh, I spoke boy. with them today and they told me that in all likelihood, a technician will have to come back to uh, do the work. So <laughs> that, means the, that means that the new technician is going to see the swastika in the wool and he probably yeah. won't do any work. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really awkward when he turns out to be Jewish. But no, I am kind of back to square one. I think I just perpetually stay in in between like step one and step two. Officially, according to Free, I am on step four, but I don't really understand. It kind of oh, seems like a steps? six. To me, it kind of seems a binary process. I either don't have the internet or I do. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't feel like I'm progressing. They tell me I am. They tell me step four is better than step three, but it feels a whole lot like step three. I love that it's a six step process who's the genius who made up getting internet a six-step process oh it's unbelievable and the best thing too is the 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 customer service was really polite and friendly today and obviously i have no history with them so i had to remain cool and calm and collected but she did she did ask me do you have a cell phone because i guess you're working from home do you think you could use that as a hotspot for your laptop I was like, I've been there, done that. This is, I got this expertise down. Don't worry. Eddie, with all of your issues with customer service, what odds would you give yourself that you've talked to the same person for two different companies of customer service? Like they worked for one company, quit oh, or got amazing. fired and took a customer service for another company and that you are talking to that same person. It's probably pretty good because I now do give them like the performance review when they have to, when at the end of it, they're like, please, after this phone, like either they do the like stay on the call and, and like submit a review of our, of our performance or we'll email you in a few minutes. And if you could just fill out this quick survey and I give them horrifically negative reviews. So I might be getting them fired and then moving on to the next service where they've taken their next job. I mean, you just thinking about you for how long I've known you. All of the like betting sites, all of the banks, PayPal, internet, phone, the amount of customer support people you have talked to in this six, seven year span, at least, it's there is a good chance for an overlap there. I mean, the thing is, I should really change my career and become like an expert in customer service. I should now spin this that I can help companies improve the like customer service experience. Exactly. And they'll be like, yeah. oh, have you run this before? It's like, no, 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 no. But trust me, I have been through every possible scenario. And I'll help you to do the good <laughs> and the bad. Have you considered a six-step six process to your customer exactly. service? Let's cut it down to five. They'll feel way better. Yeah. Whoa. That Legitimately, is as crazy as it is, if they told me I was on step four or five right now, I probably would feel better than being on step four of six. <laughs> Like that's that's the stage I'm at mentally. It is kind of it is kind of completely redundant. You know, when you're like downloading something and it's at like two percent for like an hour, and then all of a sudden jumps up to like ninety eight percent. It's just it just feels so arbitrary. I mean, what does step four really mean to you? I mean, I, they they do actually tell you what the steps are. I can tell you what what they tell me. I'm getting through. If you'd really like this exciting content to go, but they do specifically tell me sort of where I stand in the process. I love that it's six too. It reminds me of the something about Mary quote with the seven minute abs. <laughs> Do you remember that one? What's the, which one? Where he picks up the hitchhiker 
And the guy's like, I got this great idea for an exercise video. He's like, you've heard of eight minute abs, right? What about this? Seven minute abs. <laughs> it's like you do everything and then you get an eight, but in seven. <laughs> and then Penslow was like, what about if someone comes out with six minutes? He's like, six, no, not six. You can't do six. It's gotta be seven. <laughs> That's kind of what this orange or what is it free now is doing. I'm onto free now, yeah. So step one is they received my uh, request. Step two, they validated my request. Step three, they validated my uh, contract with them. Step four, which is where I am now, is my line is in the process of being set up. Step five is that the router I need will be sent to me. Router. And step six. I have it. I feel like steps what, one, AIDS? two, and three HIV? could be condensed. Step one, two, and three are fundamentally should be the same step. Yeah. We have received and validated your request for a contract. Step one. So you can make it four steps, do you think? I mean, that daddy, you, you were doing five. Now you're at four. This is crazy. Yeah, no, I you can't I, do I, anything in four steps. You're out of line. <laughs> Just about summed up my my weekend, I think. That was my only customer service experience of the weekend, so at least that was a positive. So my question for you then is, how are you watching NFL games on your cell phone? No, I, I've actually got the hotspot down pretty well. I have mastered how to get the best possible connection out of my phone. So from that perspective, I've now got it that I'm, I'm actually running Sky through my laptop on my <laughs> through my cell phone. My, my, my consumption through my phone is out of this out of this world and that's where i'm really going to get hit because now that i've canceled my orange internet i feel probably going to stop giving me the like unlimited free data that i'm now gobbling up so probably the 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 real moment i'm going to hit a customer service nightmare is when i get hit by a massive orange cell phone bill before free has set me up and then i'm going to be spending my days split between trying to negotiate my <laughs> cell phone bill down with orange whilst also trying to get my internet to work with free can't you can't you use the banked money you had for when orange said that they would credit you for the amount of internet that you didn't get they would credit it back once they gave you internet yeah. can't use that oh, I'm going bold. for your I'm phone just, i'll tell you what my new plan is because obviously there's no need for that really anymore i'm going to tell me tell them that one of them promised me an iphone 12. <laughs> Just go absolutely. I'm just gonna just go, go balls hard. in. Yeah. I'm just gonna go balls in on a lie and be like, "You told me you'd give me a free cell phone upgrade. This is this is what I this is what you told me back in in August." You would have to really be committed to that because you just know it's not oh, happening. I'm, you would I am, be. Well, I am. There's one thing we in. know about Eddie. He's committed. He's committed. I've got a four step plan to get this committed. iPhone 12. <laughs> And the good news is I, I will eventually get it. It's just I'll probably they'll give it to me when the iPhone 14 is out. <laughs> but I guess we do have some good news from the weekend, which is uh, we had some bets of the week. And there was at least one winner so far. One is still alive and will be decided tonight. But Frank, your bet of the week in the Breeders' Cup did come in. Crushed it. Arguably actually, the best performance are... of the week in Breeders' Cup. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh, that's always the most dominant performance, I, don't, I guess, certainly. Yeah. Um, in actual fact, our overall advice for the Breeders' Cup was pretty good. You would have had a 
had a few winners if you just followed us. Um, that being said, as someone who had to then put two bets on for Frank in the first year's cup, I can tell you that those were an absolute disaster. The fact wait, that Frank managed, wait, Sam, um, I, I need Sam, to wait, hear this. Let me ask you this. Yeah, well, Sam, if, if you were to do a five-horse each-way bet, so for those who don't know, each-way means you have one bet. If they all win, you would win. And then you'd also have a side bet that they all have to place. And the the number of placings depend on how many horses run, but usually it's three to four is usually in a place, in these races at least. I did a five-horse or five race each way bet not one horse even hit a placing and <laughs> so also not only did none in. of them win none of them even placed not one should well, i have gotten my money field. back no. and, and factor in two factor in which has to be rolled into this some of them were favorites and some none of them were more than say fourth favorite for the race like there yeah. were no tremendous outsiders getting thrown in they were all single-digit horses, for starters. Like eight to ones were the highest. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, what was the smallest field? Oh, Probably like eight. Maybe ten. Yeah. Okay, so they were still pretty, somewhat competitive. But yeah, five out of yeah, no. You you should give them more money back <laughs> for your ineptitude of picking horses. Yeah, I should at least no, get was, money back quite on incredible. That for the impressiveness of that. I don't think bookmakers would survive very long if they were paying people back for the impressiveness of a defeat to them. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I think that would be, it's it, right? They always offer the ACA insurance, like get one selection wrong and we give you your money back. I actually think it would be a better initiative to be get all your selections wrong and we give you your money back. Surely you would just pick all the outsiders that you would just be but like, this right, would I'm be going the, for the this would be the tough, outsiders. I don't know if it would be, I mean, yes, you could... You could do just, I mean, at, at a certain moment in time, what would be the fucking point? <laughs> like you would just be like, oh, I never, I never win a bet, but I get like free bets. Back. Yeah, that's true. You would never, you'd never be like, you know what I'm going to wait for today? Money back. And not even also, actual money back. Yeah, like, don't no get money it. I can withdraw. And also often with bookmakers, free bets that the stake will be the stake will be withdrawn from my bet when I place it. So yeah. it's, it's even... almost like some sort of like shit virtual money laundering. It's like I'm yes. gonna put the money in, get it back as a free bet, so I can launder it into like the casino. <laughs> yes. But no, I mean, I, I, we've spoken about this privately before, right? But I had a math teacher in high school who used to offer that to students because he would give um, sort of a monthly multiple choice math exam. And his offer was, if you could get every question wrong, he gave you 100%. And no one ever did it. I guess it's because, well... His logic was that to get 0%, it's the risk you of almost... It, you had to know everything to pretty much to get 0%. So you actually almost had, you basically had to know as much as it would take to get 100% to get 0%, or you had to just be incredibly lucky. And but if it's you were like, like, it's a maths exam, right? Yes. So can you just write table for every single one or like, no, no, it was multiple or... choice. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> that was... would be a different type Wait, of 0%. Why would you write table? <laughs> yeah, I just, I had some things in front of me. Moron. <laughs> I think I'm, this I is think where I'm we learned. This is where we choice. learned that Sam went. Sam went to a very. How did we end up at the same university, Sam? This is depressing. <laughs> oh, you know those grants that you get. You know the disability <laughs> because grants? apparently it's 
In Sam's math class, table is the right answer enough times to get him to <laughs> yeah. university. Hey, I knew my t- like times table. <laughs> yeah, because you you would just draw a table. They'd be like, I guess we gotta give it to him. With a clock on it. Yeah, they'd be like, my complete your table. seven times table, and he would just draw seven tables, and they'd be like, gosh, he got us on this one. I mean, <laughs> Once again, I mean, Sam Jones has exploited a technicality. <laughs> yeah, ten out of ten for effort and creativity. Or maybe that's how he just gave every answer. He would just say the answer was 45. He would just draw 45 tables. He didn't write the number 45. He just designated <laughs> everything in tables. <laughs> yeah. Like a, some bizarre version of Rain Man. Yeah. Except I wouldn't be taken anywhere. And you also aren't winning tons of money in a casino. Uh, but I'm getting free bets. <laughs> exactly, yes. You're exploiting some other weird autistic loophole. Yeah, that was... So that that each way just really set the tone for the weekend of betting for me. It was a very frustrating weekend. Saturday, I got all of the soccer right and then lost on the college football. And then Sunday, got the college football, uh, got the football right and got the soccer wrong, thanks to Arsenal. Great performance yeah. that was. That was beautiful. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start? Oh, my then God. Maybe? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the... One of the worst performances I've seen from a Premier League team based on expectations, obviously, because I've seen, you know, sort of Sunderland play worse in previous seasons. But in terms of how good of a side, relatively speaking, Arsenal are, that might go down as the worst performance I've ever seen in yeah. Premier League. Arteta, Arteta came out. Oh, come on. I mean, that's like 30 years of history. I, I very much doubt that. But I Arteta well, came out name, and he was name like, another from, one Sam no 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 you could, like I'm just saying I've got like 30 years except that one game to like look through I think there's worse performances like the Derby County season no but this yeah but that, that's how I, I qualified it I said relative to the expectations of the team so obviously Derby County or Sunderland or whoever Ipswich Town have had worse performances in the sense that they Ipswich have Ipswich Town they have been worse on the day and that Arsenal's performance yesterday would have beaten them but fundamentally speaking, for the side that Arsenal have put out and the exp- and the, f- re- the form they've been in in recent weeks and what you would have expected for, for them playing against an Aston Villa team who are good, but still... I mean, they smashed you know. Liverpool 7-2. Yeah, they did. This is true. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me, I mean, I only watched the second half, but I, I mean, the back end of that second half, you could have told me that Aston Villa were like the dominant team and it was totally believable i I mean arsenal couldn't even get it out of their own end for the last 20 minutes of that match like it was it was bad it wasn't as if they were they were getting lucky and and just you know breaking out and scoring they were dominating it's it's always tough when you can't get it out of your own end (laughs) that usually leads to a bad weekend (laughs) or a great weekend (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. it's all about perspective Arteta came out and he basically said, like, from second one, he knew something was wrong with the team. And I, I, I can't help but feel like that was partially him. If it's like from second one, he was just like on the sideline, heads in hands, like, oh, why did I pick this team? Then I think that's on him. But it was pathetic. It was pretty pathetic from Arsenal. But that's starting to characterize this season already for Arsenal, is that they're, they're being inconsistent. Um, they put up decent performances. They've had some tough games already but they put up decent performances or competitive performances against like Man City, Liverpool away uh, they beat Man U away 
you know, Leicester at home is a tough one, but 1-0, it was kind of close. But then they go and punctuate it with these kind of results, you know, where they just get absolutely spanked. And um, I hope it's not a consistent thing for them this season to be inconsistent because um, I have pretty high hopes for them this season. Thing is, that, that might in a way be the defining sort of feature of the Premier League season this year for almost every side. And it and it kind of has to be viewed through the lens of the, you know, the preparation for all of these teams, which is virtually no preseason, you know, players who finished, especially if you're in Europe, you're talking about people who, you know, players who finished playing in early to mid-August and then right back at it a few weeks later. So I think they have to accept, you know, when you do look, City have been more, I mean, maybe not more inconsistent than last year in some ways, but still continued the theme of inconsistency. Liverpool have been more inconsistent than they have been in recent seasons. United have been, United have been, I mean, United might be the most inconsistent side in history because (laughs) literally one week they turn up and they actually play really quite well. And then the next week they look like they should be playing Sunday league football. And in this week they managed to do, I mean, polar opposite performances, not that they were outstanding against Everton, but still polar opposite performances when you compare their midweek Champions League fiasco to then beating Everton in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their results, the last five matches are win, lose, draw, win, lose. <laughs> it's like they're just like going through it, the cycles. <laughs> it figures then that the draw is coming up. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we can figure this out. We can really rain man the betting here. <laughs> so do you think... I mean, and I agree with you. I, you know, you're seeing that in a lot of sports. Like, you could even argue the first few weeks of the NFL season kind of had some weird results because of you know the shortened preseason, people not being maybe 100 percent or being fully fit. Do you see this writing itself by the end of the season? Oh, well, apparently the Premier League's going to entertain five subs, um, or entertain at least the idea of five subs because a lot of clubs have gone to the Premier League for that exact reason. They basically said. It's to do with training levels, and that's why things have been wildly inconsistent. Players are getting tired quicker because they didn't have that time off, or simultaneously that time on with preseason training to um, fix it. So um, apparently, the Premier League might look into five subs for the remainder of the season, or potentially like next season. But I mean, I th- I actually that, kind of was- like the inconsistency, though. I think it makes for good telly. Mm-hmm. It does, but... What was that noise you just made, Eddie? (laughs) That was me doubting the sentiment. (laughs) I I agree. Look, a more exciting title race is going to be better than watching Liverpool or City win by, you know, 10 to 20 points. It's it's dull. So would I, if the inconsistency inconsistency throws up a sort of three-team title race that gets decided in the final couple of matches, then that's a good thing. That being said... The quality of football is taking a hit. There are definitely more players picking up sort of muscle strains and things like that. And then we have to then think about the fact that you've got the Euros coming up this summer. So you then have the possibility that this spills over into a European championship where tons of players are missing because they will have just picked up injuries throughout the season. And then they're all bringing in horrible form. And then we end up with sort of Greece winning the Euros or something terrible like that. Who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah. Nothing I mean, is worse than that. <laughs> no, we've already lived through it once. We don't need it again. But the, um, I mean, Solskjaer had, right, he was really angry that United played a Wednesday night Champions League match. 
and then we're made to play a Saturday lunchtime kickoff, which does seem ridiculous. There seems no reason in the in a in a fixture list that is more congested than previous years to why you couldn't. Which Klopp agreed with him, right? Klopp, Klopp then in his post match interview yesterday said it should be basically guaranteed if you play on the Wednesday, you should play on the Sunday. There's nothing wrong with the teams that play Champions League football on Tuesday playing on Saturday, but there's no reason for a team to play Wednesday evening and then play Saturday morning, especially factoring in that they're traveling, you know, in the United's case, coming back from Turkey. So you're, you're losing a day in a sense of sort of preparation and training to then have to play again. I guess the argument was kind of undone by the fact that they then won. But Yeah. But also, it's not just the Premier League, right? Uh, Real Madrid got smashed by Valencia. Uh, what was it, 4-1 with the hat-trick of penalties? But, uh, and yeah, an goal. They played Sunday. And an goal. It, it, was, it was really strange. <laughs> they got extra rest. They played Sunday yeah. night. That was strange, though. That was, um, that was awful. I watched that. That was awful. What, um, Real Madrid were awful, or just the manner that Real Valencia Mad- won was awful? Real Madrid were awful. I mean, also, just the fact to give away three penalties in a single match. A little bit similar to Frank not having a single winner in a five, five bet with like each way bet, giving away three penalties is, and also in a relatively quick, they didn't give away one penalty in the first minute and one in the ninetieth. They gave away them all the penalties between like the thirty-fifth minute and the fifty-fifth minute. And wasn't the same person involved in most of them? Yeah. Did I see that right? Yeah. Um. But no, I think, and look, we then you kind of in t- talking about the inconsistencies then watch the kind of toothless affair second half at least between city and liverpool you know the first half was actually pretty good liverpool started extremely well and then city fought back fought their way back into it and then the second half was just like watching a preseason friendly almost yeah i mean I, I i did say that four to five was good value on liverpool but you're right it wasn't that liverpool liverpool started well and then man city just kind of clawed it back but that was I look forward to the Anfield game at the uh, kind of 2021 because I think that will genuinely have a bearing on the title. Like, do, do you think, has your opinion of the title race changed at all? Like you mentioned last time that Spurs might be in it, like a Chelsea in it, or is, are you still going with the kind of Man City? Almost starting to believe that Spurs can win the title. I watched all of their match uh, against West Brom and they were not good. West Brom probably should have won. I mean, West Brom kind of bossed the game. And then obviously Kane pops up with a late winner and you kind of start to feel this might be not team of destiny, obviously, but there's that moment where you start to feel things might just be falling into place for Spurs. And if they can just keep the form up for another two months and really start to believe in themselves. And if the other teams can slip up a bit, you know, they Spurs might be looking at a situation where they've got a sort of five or six point gap on Liverpool city, all the sort of main contenders and with, in a way, their team coming in, you know, Bale getting back to full fitness and full, full form and the other players that they brought in late in the transfer window settling into the side, they might be really well positioned. And the one thing you can say is that in Jose Mourinho, they have a manager who knows how to win things. You know, he'll probably be gone the following season no matter what happens, but he at least can drag a title-winning team, you know, over the finish line. I can't, yeah. take, I can't take seriously a team that lost to Antwerp. Royal well, never let that Royal go. The thing is, you're going to have to accept that happening to them more often because they are. There's going to be that moment in time now where they are going to completely give up on the Europa League. 
right? Then they have a very big squad. They can their second team should still be kind of competitive in the in the Europa League. But if you're now Josie Mourinho, you're definitely imagining like this. There's no reason why Spurs shouldn't finish top four now. Yeah, I mean, what what a work in their favour is in in a way the same way that Leicester won the league is that the teams below them more more teams are beating each other below them. Whereas last year it was just Man City and Liverpool would beat everyone in front of them, and it was just a kind of two horse race. Whereas this time you you can see kind of Arsenal beating Chelsea, Chelsea beating Arsenal. You know, Arsenal beat Man U, um, Everton lost to Man U, but you know, hold a pretty good game against Liverpool. It, it kind of feels like everyone's beating everyone. So it gives one of those teams just to be slightly better, the opportunity to win the league. So it's, it's certainly, I think it's certainly a good year for like Spurs to do it. Uh, but I, I'm still going with Liverpool. I, I just, even without Van Dijk, I just still think it's theirs at the moment. So I've probably changed actually, because I think at the start of the season, I went for um, Man City, City but I did say, I will say that Southampton looked good. And I did say that they would be a good team this season. They have looked really good over the past four or five games. Did you see their tweet, by the way, about... Um, Stop the... Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm getting a little... I have to say, I'm getting... They weren't the first or the last to do it. And I hope that that gets retired. It was very topical. Obviously, this for Frank, mm. in case you didn't see it, they tweeted, like, stop the count because they're top of the Premier League <laughs> yeah, table. Yeah. So, you know, but they are not the first team to do it. And I just hope that uh, it kind of had its four or five days of being really relevant and now it uh, gets retired. The interesting thing is Liverpool were, we obviously talked about the Premier League odds going into the weekend. And now Liverpool are actually favorites. They've only slightly edged ahead of uh, City, but you uh, Spurs are 10 to 1. Would you take that at the moment? Do you think that's value? Do you think there's value in 10 to 1? Might be a little bit short, in yeah. fairness, but but might be worth rolling a dice on. I mean, I think ten to one, you'll probably at least have an interest for a few months. So, might not be the worst thing in the world. Now, the only other talking point, I guess, from the Premier League, and also something you didn't expect, is that uh, uh, Adam Ola Lookman and Kevin De Bruyne had a, com- a private competition between themselves as to who could take the worst penalty of the weekend. I'm not sure if <laughs> they didn't I mean, let anyone else in on that. Lookman, <laughs> not. Uh, uh, problem with Lookman's. Lookman's was just it was the the time of the penalty. You you yeah, don't do it was, that. It was no, you don't. And also, you need to like obviously there's the Perlo in the Euros against England with the Penenka, and if you pull it off, uh, it looks amazing. Personally, I'm not a fan of it because to me, it's it is a penalty that. I know that there's skill in doing it properly. That being said, you are gambling on the fact that the goalkeeper is going to dive. It (laughs) looks so embarrassing if the keeper just picks it up in front of them. Now, the issue with Lookman's one is that it was so bad that the keeper could dive and still save it. And that is just awful. Um, (laughs) But you have to give him some credit. At least he put it on target. So he gave himself a chance of scoring. Whereas Kevin De Bruyne became the first penalty taker in the Premier League to entirely miss the goal since October 2018. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that includes hitting the woodwork, I'm guessing. Yes, not on target. Yeah. Okay. So it is quite. And I mean, his was awful. Wow. 
That's a really impressive stat, actually. It is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it isn't. It isn't, it isn't. It's kind of surprising that it's been that length of time. At the same time, there's no reason you should miss the target with a penalty. So, you know, it's one of those things you would expect it to happen occasionally. But that being said, it really should never happen. The Lookman yeah. one is great, though. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> I also like the fact that you get to, he gets to realize how bad it was before it was saved. Like, that's the best part of it, is it's so pathetic. Like, it almost worked in his favor that I think it came close to confusing the keeper because it is just so bad that you almost don't, you almost catch the keeper in a situation where he kind of doesn't react to it because of just how pathetic of an attempt it is. I'm questioning whether... Even if the keeper didn't save it, did he put in enough force? Oh to no, it might not have put it over, over the line. line. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it would have been close. It would have been a ballsy move by the keeper to to stop and watch it. Because the way the keeper saves it, he's so surprised that like the minimal amount of effort it took for him to actually save it. Like he puts his yeah. hand up. He's like, "Wow, did it actually even hit my hand?" <laughs> yeah, no. I also like that his reaction to it is. I vow to put the next one in. That is, that's his, that's his response to such an awful penalty. Oh, good. <laughs> like, if right. I were, if I were anyone associated with Fulham, I would respond to that. I vow that you will not be taking another penalty. No, Eddie. Now here's the move. In his next penalty, does he do the same thing? <laughs> because at that point, if you are the keeper, you have to think, oh, there's no way. He's going to pull that. He's going to try and drill it this time. And then the balls to pull the same move would be amazing. I'll say no, this. If I, you if would I'm have to retire. You would retire from football if you did it again and the same result happened. You couldn't walk back on the pitch again. I think, I think even if you score the next time, people would still think that you were a total prick. Like that... The, the the doubling down on it actually almost even actually score like if you miss it again you might get some sympathy but if you actually score it people just think you're a total twat um but to me definitely if you if he does take another penalty and you are the goalkeeper in goal to face it i would definitely stay where i'm standing because thinking that either he does try the panenka again or he just decides to smash it down the middle because he wants to do the kind of complete opposite of what he just did. So either way, I would just stand still. That's my bet of the season. Next time, we'll see what odds I'll kind of wait for. Usually a penalty miss is around nine to two, five to one. So um, next time he's up, just instantly go all in on, on, on Lookman missing a penalty. Assuming the goalkeeper stays in the middle. That's my qualifier. Now I guess we can shift from one embarrassing penalty onto one incredibly embarrassing performance. And that is Tom Brady and whatever that was he did on Sunday <laughs> Night Football. I'm not sure I could say it was playing quarterback. But whatever it is he was attempting to do for the time he was on television uh, last night. Well, Similar I mean, to Arsenal. One of the more to him, though, he's what? 75 years old like you know how late that was for him he's, he's probably in bed by then. yeah but breeze is 76 <laughs> yeah but breeze is a young 76 he's in new orleans he's living it up i mean brady literally moved to florida that's what you do when you retire and you're old you move to florida get a get a permanent vacation home that's what brady did and it showed 
Plus, Breeze is fueled by his hatred of black people, so that just keeps him young. <laughs> it's it's actually a, a double-edged sword. He's fueled by his hatred of black people, but his fear for all his black teammates that want to kill him for the comments he made. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> what was the stat? It was something crazy, like he didn't get a first down until early in the second. Uh, early he didn't in the get his first half. down until the second quarter. And then the um, next play, he threw an interception. <laughs> Yeah, and then also they broke the NFL record for the fewest number of rushing attempts. So over the course of that game, they only carried the ball five times. The previous record was six. Hmm. And they only got to five because they took a knee to end the game as a loss. So it was really four legitimate rushing attempts and one knee in a 38-3 defeat, which was done by Brady's backup. So well, did I don't you see know the if- other... Did you see the other NFL record that was broken? Did, did they mention it on the uh, game? Breeze set the, the touchdown passes. Passing. Huh. Now here would be the argument. Has he, has he taken an insurmountable lead now in that? Will Brady ever overtake him? <laughs> is it three yeah. or two? Yeah, whatever it is. Do you think Brady will ever, will we ever have breaking news on that record? Maybe that's why Brady did it. Maybe he was just like so tired of that. He was like, I tell you what, I'm going to give, I'm just going to give Breeze the edge and we'll be done with, be done with this breaking news nonsense. <laughs> Maybe. I will say that was the best game I've seen Breeze play, hands down. He was hitting downfield targets. He was a lot more accurate. He was moving a lot better in the pocket. Like if that's the consistency they can get out of Breeze for the rest of the year, I think they are now arguably the best team in the NFC. That's actually a good point. Like because of that blowout, like who who are you putting up there as the best team in the NFC at the moment? Because every team is flawed, like horrifically flawed exactly. in the NFC. Yeah. I think I take them over the Packers just because at least the Saints have a decent defense. I mean, if this is any indication, then their defense is phenomenal. But I think that was more of a complete failure by the Bucks' offense as much as it was a good Saints defense. But, I mean, if you stack the Packers and the Saints side by side, the offenses are pretty comparable, but the Saints clearly have a better D. So would yeah. you say the Saints are the most well-rounded team? Like, let's take the three, six, and two teams, right? You've got the Seahawks the Packers and the Saints will leave the Eagles out but because <laughs> they're three and four. So let's not, let's not focus on all divisions. But fundamentally, you've got three teams there with really pretty good offenses, right? Really good offenses in the Seahawks case. But when you look at defense, like you probably say the Saints. So does that mean they're the most well-rounded team in the NFC at the moment? I don't know if I would say that their defense is the best, to be honest. I I mean, I think that's been one of the things uh, when I've looked at some of the reactions to last night, it was like, oh, they they showed you how to beat the Bucs. You put Brady under pressure, you get the pocket to collapse, and he falls apart, which probably has been true all of his career. But the implication was definitely as he's aging, that is the, the way to beat him. The thing is, watching that game, they weren't really getting pressure on him or getting the pocket to collapse early in the game. It's just that he... You know, like he missed receivers. They had people just not in general getting open. It wasn't as if the sacks only started coming actually once the game was already a blowout. So that was actually the interesting part of it. Like, I mean, it almost as if they mentally checked out, which I can kind of get once it was 28-0, just deciding, you know what, this game's kind of over. To be honest with you, they should have just taken Brady out at that point because they, I mean, the game was over in the first quarter and it was apparent. 
Um, now the Saints are favorites now to win the NFC. It has to be said. So from a betting perspective, they're obviously viewed in that standpoint. It is the Saints and then the Bucks are still second, although tied actually. They're joint second favorites with the Packers and then the Seahawks just after. And then there is a reasonable drop off to the Rams. Yeah. I mean, I know who I'm I know who I'm taking to win the NFC. Who are you taking to win the NFC? Oh, my my IV bag overfloweth. And I um I am guy might be I might be riding it. My my ICU stay might be prolonged until early February. See, I think you need to switch your Kirk Cousins IV to Dalvin Cook because he has literally put the team on his back the past two Doesn't weeks. Doesn't matter. His, Doesn't matter. His stats in the past two weeks are crazy. I mean, he's literally yeah, no, just he's told Kirk Cousins good. to just stop. He, like it's as if he walked in the locker room and was like, "Hey, listen, I know you're the QB, I know you're the leader, but just stop whatever the fuck you think you're doing and just give me the damn ball because your day is done, and I'm gonna take this now." Yeah, I mean, yeah, and look, some also some aspects of the Vikings season when you look back on it and some of their early losses don't look quite as bad, right? I mean, they've lost to the Packers, the Colts, the Titans, the Seahawks. The Falcons, who have recovered and, you know, now look a somewhat competent team. So it's not like the Vikings were losing to terrible teams. You know, I think we can officially, as of today, I know we've I've tried to get you to retire it on previous episodes. Can we please, please, please retire any thoughts that the Texans are in any way a decent football team after no they way. barely beat the Jags? <laughs> Barely beat one of the best rookie QBs ever? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not giving up on the Texans yet. Because really? to me, the Vikings are the team you think the Texans are. The Vikings are the team that had a relatively tough schedule, that have quite a decent amount of talent, and who over the course of the season are going to turn things around. The Texans are just a dumpster fire that is rapidly running that like out of control running down a hill at full speed and you are standing at the bottom of that hill with open arms preparing to try and catch it i will catch deshaun watson <laughs> i will do the dirty dancing and pick him up and hold him over me <laughs> yeah okay you'll 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 dump the dumpster fire onto yourself what a way to go out <laughs> no i mean the vikings yeah, the Vikings though are a team that we all had high expectations for in the beginning of the year, right? I mean, I think we all thought they were going to be a good team. And and now that you're saying yes. it, looking back, their losses aren't that bad of a losses. It's just that they happen to be right on top of each other, you know, playing a very tough opening schedule. So, yeah, I mean, I, the Vikings have also- a shot. They have more than a shot. Their next four games are the Bears, the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Jags. They no, no, I don't mean reason- – I mean shot at being Oh, you mean like, of winning the NFC? Yes, yeah, yes, of like being in the NFC championship. Because I think in any given – they are one of those teams that in any given day, they have the potential to beat – I mean, they – they right? They, they beat the Packers pretty dominantly yes. last week, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah. they have that potential – in any given week to go out and beat the saints, beat the bucks, beat the Packers. But then there's also those games where they're going to go in and within the first 
series, you know, that's not the day. I'm proud of you for nearly getting there, but not saying any given Sunday on any when during that during that little sequence. If they beat With the Bears, Bears, if they beat the Bears, do they leapfrog them, or is it still because what are the Vikings yeah. like three and five? Yeah, and the Bears are five and three. The four. Okay. Yeah, the the Bears are five and four, and the Vikings are three and five. So they'll go so, within one. So realistically, the Bears are, and the Bears look bad at the moment. So gosh, realistically, it's, it's, it's realistically it's going to happen. Inevitably, that hurdle will be overcome. I think now you could say the Vikings are probably to almost certainly going to make the playoffs. It's crazy to think, considering what is it like four or five weeks ago they played the Colts and they got absolutely blown away. And I remember us talking about how bad they were. But yeah, we all had pretty high hopes for them. I think I even said they might be an outsider for a Super Bowl appearance. So I don't have odds for them to make the playoffs, but I have odds for them to be NFC champion. And that's 50 to 1. Well, those are really different to the odds that I have from just because the odds that I get on them to be NFC champion, they are 28 to 1. Oh, some value here. Just take it. I guess so, yeah. In fairness, the Giants are 100 to 1. How is that possible? Well, to win their division, (laughs) the Giants are 9 to 1 to win the division. Um, The Vikings are 12 to 1 to win their division. So, I have the I have the Vikings at nineteen to one, so this website clearly underestimates the Vikings' potential. You'd have to say so, yeah. And speaking of uh, not to pile on here, but uh, teams that you need to one hundred percent abandon, Frank. Maybe we should also quickly discuss the Lions that the Vikings beat. Now we we all pick the Vikings to win this weekend, but I think we can officially say the Lions' season is done. Yeah, it might be done. Dead and buried. <laughs> it might be done. The my, my, funny part my. I saw was Matt Patricia. <laughs> they asked him if he's seen improvements in week one. And his response was, yeah, you know, obviously the punt rush. I thought that was good for us for another week in a row. So that was consistent. <laughs> That's like it's takeaway. I kind of like, like that. <laughs> Just like getting something really specific. The punt rush has gotten better, <laughs> which is a shame. Maybe it's just an indication that they're not on the field as much because they can't stop a team to let them punt. <laughs> True, yeah. And uh, other major takeaways from yesterday's games. The, the Bills are back. Put in a pretty dominant performance against the Seahawks. In a way, and they... Allen. Yeah, they, they sort of expose the Seahawks for what we've mm. been saying they are the whole season, which is an absolutely awful defense that was reliant on Wilson and their offense being you know, near perfect in order for them to win a lot of the games that they've won. And this time around, Wilson and their offense wasn't great, and they got absolutely destroyed fundamentally. I mean, the score in the end kind of actually flattered Seattle. It was not a close game in any respect. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like it wasn't a good performance by the Seahawks in any respect, but you kind of feel sorry for Wilson because you almost feel like the defense are going to cost him the MVP because he's having to do these mega situations where he's having to dig a team out constantly or at least carry the team constantly. And then when it goes slightly wrong, they lose. 
like it's just it's a category it's like a, almost like a simple loss now if well, Wilson I, doesn't be, isn't superhuman every week if he's just like a normal QB suddenly the Seahawks lose like and it just feels like the defense is costing him the MVP at the moment yeah I, maybe I mean, but last, I actually his, his last two losses have I would say part of the loss is due to him especially I mean this game early on he did not look good early on even before they were getting you know piled onto I think he had a really early interception and then he had a really early fumble while they were still in the game so he was definitely contributing to their this is the first game I would say that Wilson maybe hurts a little strong but Wilson was contributing to the loss when they lost against the Cardinals you could argue that he had three picks but maybe one or two of those were him trying to press it a little bit much and that's understandable as a QB but these you know, that fumble he had was bad. And that first pick he had was not good. And that kind of led to them being down, uh, I think almost 20 by the end of the half, right? Or um, 20 at at the end of the, yeah, end of the first or end of the second. They were down like 24-10 or something like that. Yeah. No, that's that's a fair point. I think you could kind of, this is the first time you could say that he was a contributing factor. I kind of disagree with you, Sam, in the sense that in a way, I think his MVP candidacy is buoyed by the fact that he gets kept being put in these close games in these shootouts and so you know like fundamentally if they had like a lockdown d and the other team had seven points a he's not going to have as many touchdown touchdowns as he has or yards because at a certain moment you're going to shut down your own offense and also it's not going to be as noteworthy and get as much attention if it's like, well, another f- efficient performance by Seattle, they won 28-7. Instead, it's like, oh, my God, what a performance by Wilson, 43-42, incredible. That being said, his odds have now dropped. He is, he is well, increased, I should say. He is no longer odds on. So he is just above even money now. Uh, I think he's 6-4. to four And, and no, 5-4, to four, sorry. And you can get Mahomes was the, the one this weekend who dropped the most He's a uh, he's around nine to four, and then you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers at four to one. Yeah, I think Mahomes wins it now. I think Rodgers wins it. I don't think so. I I don't know because I think the Chiefs whether the, I think they have a better chance. I'm not trying to jinx or anything, and especially if they go up enough, then Mahomes and I have a play. But I think they have a pretty good chance of going fifteen and one. And if Mahomes starts those 13 out of those 15 games, because they'll probably sit them if, you know, they're that far up and it doesn't matter in the playoffs, I think he'll have enough stats to, to win it. And I don't, I can't see, I see the Packers losing more games this year and Rogers had, did not look good against the Vikings. I mean, he looked terrible. So he has another one or two of those. And I think it's game over. Yeah, you could spin it the other way, though, that if the Chiefs lose, even if the Chiefs lose one more game and Mahomes has one additional mediocre game from an individual performance standpoint, then why would you give the season MVP to the reigning Super Bowl champions and reigning Super Bowl MVP for fundamentally doing exactly what everyone expected him to do? So in a way, because I think it's, that because if- it's still Because it's still a phenomenal performance. I mean, right now he has 25 TDs to one interception. That's insane. Those are insane numbers. His his QB rating is 116. That's crazy. 
like those numbers are are insane. And yeah, even if he loses a few games, I mean, he's still putting up yeah, legendary you've, you've seen Rodgers, right? Rodgers is 24 and 2 with a QB rating of 117.5 on a significantly worse team. Yeah, and but like yeah, but how, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is, is let's, if, let's flip it. Let's let's flip it. And this isn't how they decide it. How many games have the Chiefs lost if Aaron Rodgers had been their quarterback all season? What? Like if you if you transplanted the quarterbacks and you made Aaron Rodgers the quarterback of the Chiefs, I'd argue okay. that they'd probably be undefeated. No, they'd have most, five losses. <laughs> so more than the Packers have, even though they're all worst team. Yes. But at most they'd have the same one loss schedule. And I do not think, even though I think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers, in a way, I mean, I do not think that if you put Mahomes on the Packers, that they their schedule their their current standings would be as good. I don't know. I, I I just feel like the things he does on the field, he just dominates. Like it's watching. He it's does, like watching he a does. video game. It is, but he does things that look I, to me. Which one am I more impressed by? Aaron Rodgers consistently drawing people offside with his hard count, or watching Patrick Mahomes take a snap in motion for absolutely no fucking reason? Like, I, I no. Not only did he take a snap in motion, he took the snap in motion, then turned back around, scrambled the other way, and threw a touchdown pass. It was so pointless. It was so pointless. <laughs> but it's you're so right. Fun it is like watch. watching. A, it is like it is fun to watch. And look, I love watching Patrick Mahomes. And I know you can you consider me a Patrick Mahomes hater, but you I are a hater on the Chiefs. You know, I've been on the Chiefs bandwagon for a very, very long time. I That's mean, just because I you think Andy Chiefs. reads your father. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you guys. You, you share such a resemblance. You think he's your true father. Oh, oh my. Whoa. Oh, okay, Sam. Next episode, the resemblance I have is coming out for Frank. <laughs> this is going full on. Yeah, we all Frank. know. How many Frank. times are you going to say Matt Damon? No, 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 Frank. <laughs> no, you don't know what you've I've done. Gotta, you don't know what you've done. I, have... I know what you've done, but you don't know what you've done until Thursday. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, God. Oh. It's my. Oh, I just right. armed a, a nuclear warhead. Uh, I have but to admit, anyway, I kind of agree. <laughs> as well. That I resemble Patrick. No, resemble with, Andy your, with your. Oh. <laughs> with your one. I, I will say mine no, is Andy far. No, Andy. No, mine is far less insulting. Human, I have to no say, no human resembles Andy Reid. Well, he did have that one look like step in for a press conference. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, but even even in the Alex Smith Chiefs, they've, they're like the thing about any Andy Reid team is they are fun to watch. Like he delivers fun football. And so to me, even when they weren't great, they're very watchable in a way that the Cardinals kind of fall into that category now as well. Which is like the Cardinals are not amazing, but you can guarantee if you turn a Cardinals game on, it's going to be fun. It's the polar opposite of like the Ravens, who are just not fun yeah. to watch. Although the Cardinals weren't very fun at the end of that game. In a way, their fun hurt them. They needed to yeah. stop being fun in the final five minutes. They should maybe say like they the fun stops with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then they turn into a normal football team. And they just they they tried to push the fun a little bit too far. 
Yeah. See, the the Chiefs do the thing, though. We, we talk about this every week. When you have these short yardage plays, so for those who didn't watch the Cardinals, I mean, they pretty much blew the game open by two somewhat controversial calls on fourth down that they didn't get either of them or short yardage ones or one they went and one they didn't even go for. But in, in these instances, I don't understand why you ever take the ball out of the hand of a QB like a Mahomes or a Kyler Murray. Like I hate if it's fourth and one and you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray and you just hand the ball off. If you want to do a running play to your running back, that's fine. But you need to take advantage of the fact that you have such a talented runner and improviser in Kyler Murray back there that it's not just a straight handoff, like a read option, something, you know, like even even like a oh, traditional I, I disagree with you so much on the read option. To me, that's like the worst possible call in a short yarded situation. I I like the straight handoff. I just want them, a team when it's like fourth and a yard or less. Now, if it's fourth and two, fourth and three or or say third, whatever then yes, I think rolling a quarterback out, and we talk about it all the time, in terms of the goal line, I think if you get a, a right-handed quarterback to roll out to his right and you just have like a tight end coming off the line directly in front of him and then he has the option of either hitting the tight end or running into the end zone, I think that's almost impossible to stop consistently. So if I were the Chiefs or the, or the Cardinals, whoever, if I got on the goal line, I'd literally run that play four times in a row. And assume sooner or later the chiefs do it. I mean, like every time I watch a chiefs game, yeah, yeah. they'll have Mahomes roll out and there's like three people like curl, like trailing with them. And I, I don't understand how no other team can't just see this and be like, wow, the chiefs are really good at this little, like short yardage rollout play when they have three different, I mean, it's options a, it's at a, three different levels. I will say this. It's, it's, it's an easy, it's play. a complete, it's a complete Madden play. I will say that like anyone who's played Madden has kind of, you know, taken advantage of that for years. What I, what I will say is, I feel a little bit differently on a like fourth and one from midfield. And to me there, I would honestly want to just hand it to a running back who just runs it right up the gut. Ah, I would I not like overcomplicate that. things. I mean, you pick you pick that up 90% of the time. Is that the stat? Or just Can you pull that or, one up for me. No. Oh, let me, I, let me, I, I don't know. I don't let me look it up, but just, just watching it. it, it 91% of the time. <laughs> but yeah no I, to me it's just uh, there it's where coaches overcomplicate things and it's just like you, all you want to do is pick up that yard like bill belichick is the king of that like he just picks up that yard like sometimes you get people as if they're like oh no we might we might it's fourth and one let's run a play where we're going to get five yards no you don't need to do that you need to yeah. pick up a yard that's it like and that to me, unless you're going to be really bold and you're like, oh, they're expecting us to hand the ball off. We're going to try and hit a guy deep, like equally dumb, but I can at least like, I kind of get it. But, you know, the Cardinals and the worst thing about the Cardinals was because they kept going for it on fourth and one. And we were speaking about it at the time. I, I agree that they should have gone for the field goal and it obviously backfired because he came up short. But I do think there's a moment where you got to be like, we're the team that goes for it. So we're just going to go for it all the time because now, you know, if you're like in the, it, like on the Cardinals, you're like, why do we stop going for it then? Like that was stupid. Like this is the thing we do. And then we stop doing it at the most important time. Like the Eagles. 
love it or hate yeah. it, Peterson's gonna go for it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and the opposite of that, like Ron Rivera, right? Like Riverboat Ron, he's actually made a career out of flip flopping as to what he would do, and I think that just hurts you. Like I'd rather be like the Eagles and just know, love it or hate it, they're always gonna go for it. Yeah, I mean the the now already talking about the Cardinals, the afternoon slate was three of the like closest, most exciting games you're ever going to see played simultaneously, even if they weren't necessarily the three best games you're ever going to watch. One of those was a game that Frank very much was sweating out because of his, the Cowboys were a survivor pool pick. And, no, no, uh, not the Cowboys. The Steelers were. <laughs> sorry, the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought you'd pulled that, that bold move you'd spoken about last week where like everyone's <laughs> going to take the Chiefs, I'll take the Jets. And you, it nearly paid off for you this week. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that was... I, I'm not, I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say, Eddie. That the Steelers clearly showed they're an overrated team. I just think... Maybe that was their oops, we had a bad game game. I, I'm, I'm willing to say that that just wasn't their best effort and it kind of showed. But I will say they were very shaky on defense. That was not a very good performance on defense. Even though they, they didn't score that much to Cowboys, there was points in that game that I was nervous that the Steelers were too far behind and it was literally like a two scores that they weren't going to be able to come back because they weren't going to be able to stop the Cowboys. And granted their defense did step it up at the end and ultimately they did come back and beat them. But there was a point in that like third quarter where I was getting a little worried that they were not able to stop a random journeyman QB on a pretty shitty team that now isn't even really playing Ezekiel Elliott as much because he's going to fumble. I, I mean, that is scary. Kind, I kind of disagree with you because fundamentally they didn't give. Now, the issue, the cause for concern as you were watching, like we were obviously talking throughout the game, was the length of the drives that the Cowboys were able to go on. That was the real issue. That There was a moment where it was a two-score game and you're like, well, every time the Cowboys get the ball, they're, they're taking at least six minutes off the clock. So it's not necessarily that the Cowboys are going to keep scoring. It's that even three more points plus seven more minutes is going to make this a really, really difficult for the Steelers to come back into it. And in the end, you know, they pushed it pretty close in terms of waiting to take a lead in the game. The one thing I will say is the Cowboys, I mean, obviously I was kind of late in abandoning the Cowboys and I'm not by any means saying that they're good. They do have a ton of weapons there. So you are talking about a team that we expected to be one of the most exciting and proficient offenses in the NFL. And the fact that you now have a quarterback who, okay, maybe a journeyman and not anything special, but if he can just be competent, they should still be competitive in a lot of games. The issue was that like their defense had been atrocious up until basically this game and they stepped up. I mean, the Steelers, we spoke about during the game equally, I mean, the Bucks broke the record for the fewest number of carries. The Steelers looked like they were trying to break the record. I mean, it was crazy. They, I would say that 95% of plays, they lined up without anyone in the backfield. So not even, not even giving the Cowboys the thought that they might hand the ball off and run it. To me, that was kind of crazy. But, and it got like 46 rushing yards all game, didn't they? I think it's it didn't. I mean, I said at one point to Frank while we were watching it, how many rushing yards do they have? 20? 
And I was kind of joking, but obviously it was like a pretty yeah. accurate number. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I in, a way, in a weird way, I almost feel like this helps the Steelers because the scare maybe makes you refocus. And so like, this is the, rem- this is the way you remind everyone, like, we're not that good yet. Like that's because I've got a number of games coming up on the schedule that are like, they play the Bengals and the Jags in the next two games. And then they play Washington after they play the Ravens. So like three of their next four games are fairly straightforward on paper. And you would have to hope that this kind of refocuses them and gets them to take all of those games seriously. Because if they do lose to the Ravens and they slip up in one of those other games, then it's an issue for them in terms of playoff seating. Yeah. It's again, I guess the, the, the weird strange thing with it, it was, it's, seems to be a, a difference in the halves kind of like with the Titans where they played so well the first half and then almost gave it up in the second half. So if you look at the first half, the drives the Steelers had in the first half was punt, punt, downs, punt, field goal, but because they got the fumble and then one nice drive of a touchdown of 75 yards, but they didn't even have, they barely had a hundred yards in the first half. Then you go to the second half, they opened up with a punt then they went 75 yards touchdown, 75 yards field goal, 79 yards touchdown in their next three drives. So if you get four quarters of that, and I mean, it showed like they looked so much better in those later drives in the third and the fourth quarter, then they're pretty unstoppable. And then alternatively on the other side, you know, they let up, I think about 200, or like 150 yards of offense in the first half. And then the second half, you know, they held them to two field goals, an interception, a punt, and then they had that nice uh, end of downs twice at the end. Like their defense really stepped up at the end. So if they can just put that together for four quarters, then, yeah, I think they're going to be a really good team. But these past few games, they're not doing it. So that's, that's kind of worrying that they're not putting together a full effort the entire game. Yeah. No, you're right. Um they look sloppy in that first half and like Smith Schuster kind of really came into a, came in as a force in that second half. And they also got lucky in the sense that a couple really big plays went their way. Um, you know, that, that stop with the interception in the end zone that then they drove down the field and scored the touchdown, right? Like that was a really big swing where a Cowboys touchdown might've almost killed the game off. But um, one topic we did touch on during that game, Big Ben might be the best actor in the NFL because I have never seen someone who milks an injury to the degree that, and I'm not doubting, like he's obviously incredibly tough and plays through pain that I think a lot of people wouldn't, but he definitely makes sure you, that you know that he's playing with pain. Like there is no, there's no way that there's no way that big Ben would get to the end of the season. And it would be like one of those crazy stories of like, nobody even knew, but he played with like a separated shoulder the entire year. It would have been like, Oh no, after every throw, big Ben clutched his shoulder and screamed in agony. And then, (laughs) and then threw another 60 yard touchdown pass, you know, like he is going to make sure, you know, he is so dramatic. You can guarantee, like you asked me when he went, when he like went off the field, will he be coming back? And it's like, yeah, of course, hundred percent. But he has to. He had to go to the locker room early. Okay, it probably in the end, it like became even more dramatic, right? Because then they got the fumble, and then they got the ball back, and then he wasn't on the field for that possession. 
So that made it even more of a storyline. But he 100% wants the world to know whenever he's suffering even a little bit. Yeah. And so for me, I desperately needed that for my survivor pool to stay in. Uh, and everyone else either had the Steelers or the Chiefs. So it was kind of a no one really made any advancement, which I think is going to happen for the next few weeks. It's going to take a while for someone to finally start to dwindle down there. But there was a pretty good bet that I saw. So the bet was taken by William Hill in Vegas. It was a $4,000 seven team money line parlay. So the odds of all of them winning would give you 110 payout, 110 times. So the parlay, Eddie, you'll appreciate this, was Maryland to beat Penn State. They were a four touchdown underdog, and that came through. So Maryland won, which Eddie also um, switched on to Maryland when they were up three touchdowns. Liberty, who was another 17-point underdog to Virginia Tech. So he took two major underdogs and then went with Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Appalachian State, and Ohio and Iowa State, which were all favorites. And then the last one he had was the Steelers. So going into Sunday, all he needed left was the Steelers to win 450000 off a $4,000 bet. So that person I'll was say sweating it out with that being your last thing yeah. left. Well, I'll say three things about that bet. One, he's an absolute idiot for placing an accumulator where his final leg was significantly later than everything else finished. And <laughs> was like, I mean, I don't, the Steelers money line by the team, time the game kicked off was one to 11. I don't know what odds he maybe got one to seven, one to eight earlier in the week or on the Saturday to just ending it in the one to eight is kind of dumb because like it's not like you're significantly increasing your winnings anyway so you may as well leave it out three well <laughs> i guess 2.0 2.1 he desperately needed that win because if you're throwing and i can say this from experience if you're throwing on accumulators like that he is going to go the next 100 without a winner so he desperately <laughs> needs to hit him sometimes because if that is your approach to betting, you are a bookmaker's dream. It's probably the happiest William Hill have ever been paying someone out because they must have been like, this is a loan. We will be getting this money back and interest pretty quickly when you now think that you can hit $4,000, 100 plus to one odds accumulators. And the final thing is I hope he hedged it because he could have really easily stuck at least a couple grand on the... Cowboys going into that final game and been in a situation and they were probably, where what, seven to one. Yeah, he could have at least been like worst case scenario. I'm coming away with twenty thousand. Yeah, yeah. You can tell just by the way that bet is that he is someone who's lost a lot of parlays because yes. the audacity to take a four touchdown underdog in Maryland and then a seventeen point underdog in Liberty in the same parlay. It is is pretty crazy. I'd almost also be interested to know there's no way a person, and again, can speak from experience, there's no way a person who put an, an accumulator on like that put only one accumulator on that weekend. Yeah, so they said like that was the know. first time he's ever bet in his life. 
No, you don't. You don't. You don't have a no. <laughs> and he said he only took Maryland because he likes turtles. <laughs> oh, you know why he took Maryland? Actually, it's because he listened to our last podcast and he heard about Captain Cook's Hawaiian nightmare, and he knew that Maryland has Tua's brother, and he wanted to get that Hawaiian rage going. So that is why, which we can also talk about. Frank, from a personal standpoint, your Hawaiian hatred, how many people have Hawaii come back to backfire? Well, let's put it this way. Tua beat Arizona, the state you currently live in, and Tua's brother beat Penn State, your alma mater, in the space of 24 hours. So Hawaii really kicked you in the balls this weekend. The Taivaloga family, yeah, they, they took it to me. That's uh, the one thing I will say, because you kind of mentioned this to me. I'm a pretty superstitious person. I was a superstitious athlete when I played. I'm a superstitious sports watcher. I have been my entire life. Sometimes it's hit extremes that I've somewhat regretted. Um, and I know it's 100% irrational. I don't believe that I actually have any control on the outcome of sporting events. But I also refuse to totally dismiss it as a concept. But then doesn't that make it worse (laughs) that you understand that it has no effect on the outcome, yet you still do it? I think that makes you look worse. If you had told me, like, no, Frank, I really think I can affect the outcome if I watch this game on my toilet seat. I'd be like, oh, well, you're crazy. But then if you told me, no, no, I know this has no effect, but I still am going to sit here on this toilet seat with the hope it changes the outcome on my flash scores. I think you're more crazy. Okay, let me qual- <laughs> let me clarify this. I'm 99% certain I don't have an effect, but there is 1% of me <laughs> that believes, believes that I might. And look, the extremes, it started at a young age for me. I remember being like 11 or 12 years old and watching a Blackburn match. And I started throwing a apple up in the air and they scored while I was tossing the apple. Like I was sitting, just tossing an apple in my hand. This isn't about the 55th minute. And then I had, I had to toss the apple for the remainder of the match because I thought that if I stopped, they might, they might give up their lead. During I don't the get 2000- how you, how you can sit there and make fun of me for being special all the times. And then you oh, no, just I, told us look, the story about how you sat on a couch throwing an apple in the air for 50 minutes because you thought it would help your team win. <laughs> During the 2005 Ashes, which was obviously a kind of historic moment for most England cricket fans. Um, during the test match in which England kind of won with Australia only needing, what was it? Three Two runs. runs. Two runs, two run, yeah, two runs, and they had this final wicket stand where they kind of edged closer and closer. My dad had been out gardening when England had started taking a bunch of wickets earlier in the day, and I made him go back outside, um, and he missed the conclusion of the test match. <laughs> you are a massive <laughs> dick. <laughs> You now, had no bearing on that result in Birmingham, yet you sent your I? father out from one of can the you most say historic moments. Can you moments say this? Can you I say can, this for sure? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I have just as maybe I deserve just as much credit for winning that Ashes as Steve Harmison and Andrew Flintoff do. Let's just let's not rule that one out. If any of you are listening, go ahead, send me my Ashes winning medal or whatever it is you get. I probably deserve one. 
I can imagine you in like a public park, like on a table with the as like um, description in front of you, like I help England win the 2005 Ashes, prove me wrong. And then people ask you why. And you're like, oh yeah, I basically told my dad to piss off. So he missed a great sporting moment. That's okay. He, was able, he could, he could watch the replay. But uh, Imagine how no, happy get... he made his dad by enforcing that outcome. Exactly. And he got to hear my cheers through the through the wall. And you got to see his tears. Exactly. <laughs> they might have been of joy. They might have been of sadness. I couldn't really tell. But, um, you know, so, but I was super, I've been superstitious. And now the one person who's raised the best point when it comes to this in, from a spectator standpoint is our friend Tim. Because he pointed out that, A, whenever I'm watching a live sporting event, right, there's at least like a 10 second delay on it. But when I am watching it through like one of my TV apps or I'm streaming it, that delay might between be between 30 seconds to a minute. So if I think I can do something that changes the outcome of like a crucial play, but that crucial play has actually already occurred, <laughs> it's even weirder. I like that you preface this by saying this is one of the arguments for why it might not be true. As if yeah, the real argument isn't, you're just fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for context for anyone listening, it, it usually, the way it usually uh, sort of takes shape is that I have a routine of moving throughout my house. So if something starts to go wrong, I have to move from one room to another. Like, and like somehow the Blackburn team, uh, you know, down know. at half time and they're like, they know. wait, wait, is Eddie, is Eddie in the living room now? Oh, we're in yes. this. <laughs> exactly. They know. I send, I send Tony Broberry a message. I send him a little text 70 minutes to go. I go, don't worry, I'm in the kitchen now. Things are about to get a whole lot yeah. better. Although it'll look and a bit Eddie. different on Tony Mowbray's phone when it says, I'm in the bathroom now. <laughs> Can his exactly. wife sees that? <laughs> yeah. And, and Eddie, what was your your final destination go-to spot in your old apartment? The So the, the, most, the most extreme go-to spot was going into my bathroom. By that, I mean where my shower and my sink were and brushing my teeth <laughs> and I had to actually physically brush my teeth and sometimes I brush my teeth for upwards of 25 minutes to try and bring on just bleeding gums just trying to get a result out and that's why I say I deserve a medal because sometimes I'm putting in more effort than the players how do you come about figuring out that being the lucky charm. I can tell you the I can tell you the specific moment the the toothbrushing came about it came about during the I guess it would have been the 2016 Champions League quarterfinals okay. I think it was it was Bayern Munich against Juventus and it was the second leg I think it was I think it's 2016 but that year might be a little bit off we both had a bet on a very good bet on where Bayern Munich to qualify was the final leg in the bet. It was like at the same time as Cheltenham. And so we had one that finished right then. And then we had another with like a heavy favorite the following day in Cheltenham. And Bayern Munich were losing. And I started my normal routine of moving. And then in the in injury time, they equalized. 
as I was, I'd given up, I had resigned myself to a crushing defeat and I had gone to brush my teeth, but still watch the remainder of the match. I took my laptop with me just in case. And as I started to brush my teeth, Bayern Munich equalized deep into entering time. It went to overtime and they won very easily. And so from that moment on, I knew that brushing my teeth could change the outcome of football matches. That sentence is a bit strong. <laughs> some people, the times some when non- you've brushed your teeth and it hasn't affected the game. Never happened. In, in, Never in the happened. way you wanted it to. Uh, so some might say pure coincidence. Some non-believers, they would dismiss it as just pure random chance. But they haven't seen, I will honestly say this, and this is going to be the part that makes the insanity sound the craziest. I think that more times than, more often than not, when I brush my teeth, it has something good happens in that sporting event. And I know Frank is laughing, and I know everyone's laughing, but I've had at least all of my friends at some moment in time, whether jokingly or not, make the request for me to change rooms, change locations. Who? And even Frank's done it. Ollie oh, has I've done asked it. him to change rooms before. Yeah. Ollie has asked I me to brush my teeth. I want to feed the psychosis. <laughs> Ollie <laughs> has legitimately... To, to a point where they put him in like a mental institution and he's banging on his door like, <laughs> let me into the bathroom! Let me into the bathroom! He's just cleaning his teeth. He looks like he's got rabies with the amount of like foam like around his mouth. Now here's the, th- here's the thing is, so moving apartments in a way was quite... A cleansing experience because I had to abandon like obviously it's not any bathroom right it's a specific one so without breaking into my old apartments I cannot try and bring on that luck again unfortunately I've had to give up that special power so I've um wait here's moving. a great question though then yeah how much money on the line would it take for you to contemplate breaking back into your old apartment to brush your teeth in that bathroom specifically? That's a good question. <laughs> a million. A million. But you've got to you've got to actually break the door down. You can't just like knock on their door and just be like, look, I've so, got the craziest superstition. You have to smash yeah, that door in. A hundred thousand on the line. <laughs> I seriously contemplate going back to the apartment, ringing the doorbell, like toothbrush in hand, and asking if I can brush my teeth in the bathroom. <laughs> No one would let you in. The imagery, the imagery of you busting down a door of an apartment. With a toothbrush in his head. And then the people thinking you're going to rob or kill them. And for you to proceed to casually walk into the bathroom and start brushing. (laughs) Just like they're just there having their dinner. And they're like, oh my God, this is it. Then we're going to die. And then he just casually walks into the bathroom and brushes his teeth. If we could ever make this podcast into a comedy skit that would be our first skit (laughs) (laughs) but fortunately you know i have in this move now been able to rid myself of some of these superstitions um but they are slowly coming back in so whilst i don't change rooms in the current location i do change in my living room i do change where i'm sitting from time to time and so far, I've noticed a difference. Anyone who had money on the, anyone who had money on the, uh, on the Bucks to beat the Giants last week, you can thank me because I watched the remainder of that game in an incredibly uncomfortable position, and it stopped that two point conversion. 
the the other aspect of it though is it doesn't it isn't just you moving rooms it's also like within chats and things like that so oh, there's yeah. certain points where you'll have to say something in the chat to try and fuel the comeback or the fact yeah. that i mentioned the word football in the chat when one of the nine things you have in a bet happens to be football, it then becomes my fault that the bet lost. Yes. Well, hold on a second. We know you're already well documented for the Duke curse. So I try not, I try to have as little involvement as possible with you when something crucial <laughs> is going on. That's just sensible. There's no disputing that's that's separate from all the other superstitions. That being right. said, I do sometimes believe I, I am, I genuinely believe that if I give you or Ollie the game plan the team has to follow in order to win, and by that I don't mean, oh, they need to press higher up the pitch or they need to start like pushing the ball wider or run the ball more or whatever it is. I mean, they need to score. They're 3-0 down. They need to have one goal before the 65th minute, one goal before the 72nd minute, one goal before the 80th, and every once in a while they stick to the plan, and I'm... I'm basically Jurgen Klopp at that moment. But the, um, and the other thing is I do, Ollie and I, it's dipped out because Ollie's just actually stopped speaking to me as a whole, unrelated to this. It's just he's, his twitching, his Twitch streaming career is twitching. So much. <laughs> his twitching. Ollie's is twitching. I just can't one look at him anymore. Now he only messages me to remind me to give him money for his pay to watch his stream that, that I do not watch. Brilliant. Um, he's, but, he's pressurizing me as well. He's turned yeah. like yeah, Eddie said. He's turned into a debt collector. Like he'll speak to me <laughs> once a month because also because of the Xbox coming. Basically, it's coming to my. Long story short, it's coming to my house, and I'm sending it on to Ollie, like another one, because he couldn't get a pre-order, but I managed to actually get a couple. But the only times I speak to Ollie for the past month has been any update on the Xbox and can you sign up to my Twitch? I He has not once asked me how I am, what I'm up to, how everything's going. It's like, can you give me this and can you give me an update on that? It's And to be clear, when we say subscribe, right, this is a paid subscription that he's... <laughs> now, admittedly, you get one free one with Amazon Prime, so we are not actually paying any money, but it does mean you have to like go through the hassle of... Like the first time I did it was a real pain because I'd never gone through it before. So I had to like activate this Amazon Prime gaming subscription, then find out where I needed to go. It took me a solid like half an hour to figure this out. Um, this time around, hopefully it'll be faster when I renew it. But still, just <laughs> literally prior to this, though, I always thought that our chat had a tendency to bring goals on if we asked for a team to improve their performance. And I would say that had above a 50% strike rate, genuinely. And that's not even like confirmation bias that you remember the moment when it does work because I remember very well all the moments that it doesn't. Wasn't there a time though when you didn't talk to Ali for several weeks because he forced a bad outcome in a match by saying something in the chat? Yes. And he knew what he was doing. <laughs> hey, look, it comes with a risk. That? Wait, 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 wait. You're not going to explain that you part partially stop talking to your friends because you think they have ruined the outcome of a match? I didn't stop talking to him, but he knew the power of the chat and he he decided to use it against me. That was a that was an attack. <laughs> you know, that was that's like punching me in the face. Like he knew full well what he was doing. 
and he did it just to antagonize me. So I didn't, I didn't I just, and then weeks would be, it was probably like five days. Didn't speak to him. And he didn't, I didn't ignore podcast, his messages. I'm going to package this up and send it to our neuroscience department and say, here's your next case study. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm willing to enter into studies. You can ship me to a lab. I'll, I'll take part. As long as it's got multiple rooms. As long as it's got a, the internet and... Um, It'll and actually like be a, an upgrade. Yeah, and like a good <laughs> sports package on some TVs, I'm, I'm down. Oh, that's funny. But I was a superstitious athlete, which I guess is the interesting thing. Uh, kind of more to talk about uh, when I played in terms of like mild habits of like when I played cricket, spinning my bat a certain number of times. The way I put my pads on was very specific in tennis, like what go through a pre, like when I'm returning serve, a pre serve routine of like spinning my racket in a particular way, then hitting the inside of my shoes with my racket, which when you're on clay makes a little bit of sense, but on non clay surfaces does not really necessary, but just kind of became a routine for me. But there's, um, there's like scientific evidence of that actually mattering and being effective. Because for a lot well, of people, the... so Rafael Nadal is notorious for that as well. And I have his little routine we can go through in a minute. But for instance, my cousin, who's a wrestler, his last few years, he got really into this too, where he would have the exact same routine when he stepped onto the mat. And every time there was like a whistle and you would stand back up right before you started to re-wrestle again. And it's just a way of being able to like get your focus back into it and be in the exact same moment. So if something bad happens, you just repeat whatever your rituals or movements are. And it kind of gets your mind away from thinking about the bad mistake you just made and get back into the moment and focus on that moment and that task at hand. So there's actually, I mean, there's like scientific studies on this because he had asked me about it when he had, when one of like the people at the training center had kind of discussed it with him and told him about it. So I had looked up on it. So, so that part is, I'm okay with because at the end of the day, you're the athlete and you're the one that's going to affect the outcome of your athletic event. But that's very different from a spectator who is not involved in the game, changing the way he crosses his legs on a, on a chair in his house. Well, that's the difference between like a ritual and a superstition, right? Is that a ritual is something you do to affect the outcome directly. Whereas the no one on that Bayern Munich team was concerned about Eddie brushing his teeth. That didn't directly affect the game. You don't know that. You don't know that for a fact, Sam. You do not know that for a fact. They don't even know you exist. They do. And that's actually, so, so Nadal has a quote that they said, you know, aren't you just really superstitious? And he said, some call it superstition, but it's not. If it were superstition, why would I keep doing the same thing over and over again, whether I win or lose? It's a way of placing myself in a match, ordering my surroundings to match the order I seek in my head. And that's kind of that thing of just like being able to focus in the moment and going back to, you know, just like that constant in-match, in-game focus and getting rid of all the distractions, doing that like same repetition over and over. Yeah, and I look, I think there's a distinction there between superstition and... Uh, routine. So I think Nadal, I, I will say, I think think he's a little overboard Nadal. Yeah. Like I get the whole um, pre pre point routine that he goes through in terms of like brushing his hair back, like 
picking out his wedgie, like all that kind of thing. I kind of get that, that like your body might actually feel uncomfortable if you don't go through that sequence before you then try and serve or whatever it is. I will say the readjusting of the water bottles verges certainly on superstition. And there've also been moments, for example, right, where... um, Well, I, 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 I can read through what he does. No, but so before you do that, ball, ball boys have moved his water bottles and mid game, he's had to go back to readjust <laughs> okay. the bottle. So at that moment, you can't tell me it's like a preparation thing. He clearly feels like the positioning of that bottle is significant. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. So the bottle point, I'll, I'll do that one first. He always places his energy drink slightly in front of his water bottle directly when he enters the court. He makes sure that both labels on the bottles are perfectly facing the court. At the change of every ends, he takes a sip from the two bottles and ensures they're perfectly aligned to the court where he's going to play. So that's the that's the bottle thing. But his general rituals are he takes a freezing cold shower 45 minutes before the match. He wears both socks at the same height, absolutely the same height. He carries one racket onto the court and five rackets at all times in his bags. He takes off the jacket while jumping, while only facing the audience. He always places his bottles of energy drink and water in the exact same position, jumps at the net during the coin toss, which is a pretty weird one. I just think that's funny. Runs to the baseline for warmups. He places his hair behind his ears and fiddles with his shorts or underwear before each serve. That's what Eddie was doing. He crosses the sidelines with his right foot only and always avoids stepping on it. He uses a towel after every single point. He ensures his opponent crosses the net before he does during a changeover. And he sips his energy drink and then his water, always in the exact same order. Oh man, that's, yeah, that's so, exhausting. Just thinking, like, like to remember that, and then actually now, play tennis because he hasn't even played tennis yet. He's just thinking about a series of things. Yeah. To me, there, there's a mix there of things that make sense for clearing your head and getting yourselves in that same mental space, and yeah. some there that are just pure superstition. Like, for example, as I said, like the bottle thing. You could, you could convince me that him ordering the bottles before he then gets up to kind of go and play the next game helps him to forget what's just gone on and kind of refocus each time you can spin it that way. But like I said, there've been multiple occasions where a ball has knocked it over or a ball boy has moved them and he's then gone back to reposition them. And at that point, what he's saying is either there's a significance to them or it just throws him off. He's too aware of their positioning over the course of the match. Like at that moment, it's not just the process of clearing your mind. There's actually like, significance to where they are standing at all times so to me he's a he's a mix of superstition and just routine yeah because because if getting yourself into the moment was placing them there then anything that happened after you placing them shouldn't matter because you did that in that routine and the same method that you always do so you're in that same headspace and what happens after like after that doesn't affect you because it's not it's not part of that anymore like it's not part of that trajectory anymore but the fact that it's not in the same spot halfway through the match, that clearly shows that he thinks it has to be in that spot for an outcome to happen. So that is definitely yes. a difference. Well, a and, and the other one too, well, right? is, and the other one that cracks me up is that other person has to cross the line first before he does. If you're a player, is that a way you fuck with them? <laughs> I'm sure people have tried it. <laughs> right. Because I mean, what do you he, think he does? Do you think he asks you then to move? 
well, he famously had a pretty significant falling out with uh, Robert Soderling. And part of the reason why they fell out mid-match was that Soderling started mocking Nadal's routines. This was at Wimbledon, I don't know, 2007, 2006, it must have been. And part of the thing that caused them to dislike each other so much was that Nadal didn't like the fact that Soderling started to kind of make fun of all the little twitches and things that he does. So he obviously takes them kind of seriously too from that standpoint. Um, and he's probably been lucky in some respects that people have been. Now, the thing that helps him is that tennis is a sport filled with all of those little things, you know, like Djokovic. I mean, you see it anyway in a pre-serve routine for most players, you know, Djokovic, Djokovic bouncing the ball 10 times. There's no need to do it. Like, you know, two or three is the kind of normal thing. And he, he's obviously just put himself in this position where he can't not do it 10 times. And that to me is just part of your routine. It's not a superstition, um, but definitely tennis is filled with them. I mean, Serena Williams is famous. She wears the same socks unwashed for the entire length of tournaments. Oof. Now, there you have to be talking. That is pure superstition. You can't tell me that by putting on the same dirty socks, you um, have somehow helped yourself to prepare mentally for the upcoming match. Like, oh, great. And this like Michael Jordan wearing his North Carolina shorts underneath his NBA shorts. Again, that's superstition. Like that's not, he doesn't prepare better by sticking. Now they might comfort him at times. There's like that element, but fundamentally that's again, is just pure superstition. There's another good yeah. one as well in, um, did you, uh, so Eddie, uh, Frank, I, I, I doubt you're aware of this person, but Eddie, you know, Barry Fry. Yes. He, um, so uh, Frank, for context, he's, he's a bit of a, he was an eccentric manager, managed Peterborough for like well over, well over a decade, maybe okay. Peterborough United, like a low, lower league football team. Uh, but he also had like a stint with Birmingham. And whenever he'd go on the pitch before the game, he would walk to all four corners of the pitch and urinate on the corners to ward off evil spirits because there was something to do with when St. Andrews was built, uh, like something like the first game was like called off and it was like it had bad omens associated with it. So he thought that he would make the corners stink so that spirits wouldn't even want to like go near the place. So, I mean, that's pure superstition, right? But can you imagine if you like didn't know that as like the away team and you were just at the corner of the pitch, like ready to take a corner and you were just like, why does it smell? <laughs> what is that smell? But yeah, that's that's a bit of a weird one. Like that's pretty unhygienic. Well, I guess one of the famous ones that you could maybe argue, I think, puts him in a specific mental state is the Tiger Woods red shirt on Sundays. Yeah, and I also think there, right, they, there's almost like he's in winning mode. And I think that also impacts other players. So you can even yeah. spin that not only does it help him to prepare, but it kind of makes other people more fearful of him. So that one, that one I am fine with. And he's not alone, right? There's lots of golfers who kind of stick to like wearing a particular color or item on, on a day. He just kind of, he really popularized that and made it famous with such a distinct look. Yeah. And in, in hockey, one of the big ones for playoffs is the playoff beard. So once you get into the playoffs, you're not supposed to ever shave your beard. So by the end, people in the Stanley Cup all have like these crazy beards or they're the people who can't really grow a beard and they have this really gross looking facial hair. 
So that's like a big one for hockey. And there's lots of weird ones. I mean, for example, Deli Alley has been wearing the same shin pads he's had since he was 11 years old. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's one that makes no sense. Cristiano Ronaldo um, always has to be the last player out of the tunnel. You know, that's kind of like quite similar to that Nadal one. Is that like an ego thing, though? Um, I don't think you so. Know, like best to last kind of thing. I don't, I don't know, know how I, he I works that like with Ronaldo. I don't know that how he works be... that when he's. How does he do that when he's captain? <laughs> he's like lead the team out, and he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you remember the, um, what was it, Laurent Blanc, when he used to kiss Bartes on the head? Yes. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it started idea. off at Euro 2000, and I think they continued it on at Man U, but I, I can't remember because I know they both played at Man U shortly after that, but it, it started at Euro 2000. But yeah, he always used to walk up and kiss this bald goalkeeper on the head every game. Yeah. Ex-German footballer Mario Gomez always has to use the urinal furthest to the left in a bathroom and also never sung the German national anthem because he didn't sing it once in a youth German appearance and scored and so then never sang it again. Like to me, those are all falling purely into the superstition yeah, mode. It's happened not... once. Yeah, it's happened once. Something positive came out of me not doing it, even if it was like by mistake. So therefore you could never not do it. Like you've just you've just almost like swelled into a corner there. Basically, you can't get out of it. Here's an One interesting we- one to keep an eye out for. Thibaut Courtois always touches his chin during the national anthem when the camera passes him. So England are playing Belgium <laughs> next Sunday. So everyone listening can can try and watch the uh, as the camera goes past Courtois on on and see if he does touch his chin. But supposedly that's one of his. So I, I saw a good one that Jason Giambi had whenever he was. Uh, like struggling and whenever he was in a slump hitting he had a metallic gold pair of thong underwear that he would wear under his baseball pants when he was struggling for a hit <laughs> why that why was not? just his why not? sam's it, sam's it question is why wasn't he wearing it. the sam was like <laughs> why wasn't he wearing that all the time <laughs> yeah well fair point if he always if he was always getting luck from him surely they'll be lucky sam, wherever sam wears those every day and he's yet to hit a home run yeah, well, that's <laughs> well, a euphemism. <laughs> it's no, a different thing. Yeah. So I kept coming across the like all the urine ones. Did you see those? Have you ever heard of like those? People pissing on their hands, like baseball players, or like people stuff. drinking pee every day. Yeah. No, I mean I, uh, I only saw the Barry Fry the MMA fighter Machida. Yeah. Machida drinks that's his own urine weird. every day. And then the other one I I saw was. I don't even know how to pronounce his game, his name. Uh, an old keeper for Argentina used to urinate right before every penalty kick he faced. What, what on the pitch? Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. I have found a long lost uh, relative of mine, it seems. Jordi Alba has to brush his teeth two minutes before every match. <laughs> did you, you search? Know, I, did you wait? Did you search athletes toothbrushing superstitions? Yeah, what did you Google to bring this up? <laughs> uh, you don't want to know. But let's just we can try and get Jordi Alba on the uh, on the podcast and we can just talk all about you dental sh- hygiene and superstitions. Yeah, you should reach out to him as like a kind of survivors group and just be like, look, I totally get it. I totally understand. Yes. Um, 
speaking of which, you know, we had our Zealand interview, Eddie. Um, For you specifically. (laughs) Well, I I was thinking like superstition in football manager is quite rife as well, I find. So for one thing I do is, you know, the possession at the bottom, uh, how it kind of goes up and down. I always have to have the mouse in the direction that I want the possession to go it always has to be in that bar on the way the possession wants it to go and if it's not i feel like i'll like lose possession be, start to be dominated and that kind of thing so i have to have the mouse on the side of the bar where the possession is wanting to go i don't know if you've got any but i know it's a good game i've got little i've got i've got very small things in terms of like getting the match screen set up perfectly and then sometimes i'll like click to the screen to make a substitution and leave it sitting there as if it's like somehow going to motivate as if I was like turning or kind of like, as if you were telling players to go and warm up, it's like that same kind of thing. And I'm like sending like the, obviously the difference is like, I'm like telling a player to go and warm up in real life. This would be like me turning the back on, turning my back on the pitch and just staring at my substitutes for 15 minutes of the match. Uh, that's a good one. actually. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the, um, who'd you say where's the shin pads? Deli Ali, his old ones. Yeah. 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 The Sidney Crosby does the same. Uh, he's like more, I guess one of the more most famous hockey players for the pens. He wears he wears the same shoulder pads and jock for like the past, I think they said upwards of like 20 years. He's been wearing the same ones. He won't get rid of them. And apparently he's the most superstitious out of any of the hockey players. Like he has to do everything at the same time in the same way. Like he has to tape his stick 75 minutes before the game in the same exact number of like movements around the stick. And then at like 60 minutes, he has to play this song on the radio and then like 50 minutes. So he's really crazy. They've said when it comes down to See, like, I think Sidney Crosby's a little, Sidney Crosby's a little different though, because I don't think that's superstition in terms of it impacting his performance. I just think that's because he's been concussed so many times that he has <laughs> to like he's he's had to plan out a routine because otherwise he's just going to forget how to play hockey. Yeah, he wears like the same one hat all year. That's like another big one he has. He won't wash or maybe it. He, he won't just, do anything. All the other spin is he's been concussed so many times that he's he's in Groundhog Day without realizing it. So like every day people are like, oh look at Sydney, he's doing exactly the same thing, and in his mind he's like going to mix it up today, going to wear this hat. Never worn a hat to the game before. <laughs> it's actually it's funny that you say that because there's a really good story uh, from the Spit and Chicklets podcast. They had on some other Pens player, and they went into a a losing streak. So they switched up the music and they let this guy, who's not a very great player, he's probably like a third liner, pick the music. So he plays this song, and Sidney Crosby comes over to him. And he goes, oh, man, I love this song. Like, this was our song. I went on a trip to Europe last summer, and we played this song, like, every night. And it was, like, the theme of our European trip. And we did this, and we ate dinner here, and it was so much fun. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, cool. That's awesome. And then they went out, and they won the game, and Crosby had, like, two goals or something like that. So the next game, they're like, oh, you got to play the music. You got to play it. He's like, you got to play, like, the same thing, blah, blah, blah. So he plays the song, (laughs) and he plays the same song, and Sidney Crosby comes up. And he says the exact same thing to him as 
as if they've never had this conversation before. Yeah, I was right. Like, Not oh, superstition. Man, this is my favorite song. It was like the European trip. Like we played it all the time. And he's like, yeah, uh, okay. You kind of like told me that yesterday. And like Crosby ignores the fact that he knows that he told him already. And then they go out, they win. He plays the song the next day and he comes back and tells the same story. I can imagine. He said it happened like six times in a row until they lost. He kept doing it until I they can lost. imagine that third liner thinking he's in some sort of like Black Mirror scenario. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess at that point you gotta just let him do it. After after you realize what he's doing, yeah. you kind of just have to let him do it. Yeah, or it's really sad, and like after the fourth time, like he's tried to Eddie. turn it into like, <laughs> yeah, okay. I yeah, look at you know what I'll take. Seeing as so far I've been compared to Andy Reid and Sidney Crosby, I will definitely take the Sidney Crosby comparison if that's if those are my options. Um. But Sam, I know when we spoke about this before, you you were asking like, do religious habits like crossing yourself or whatever, do those fall into superstition? I always thought that was um, when Johan Cruyff, after he was he was asked like why he never did any of that and what he felt about players crossing themselves before a match. And he said that when he went to play in Spain, every other player would cross themselves. And if it worked by that logic, every match should have ended in a draw. Yeah. Because also, why are you doing it? Are you doing it for yourself or your team? Like, no, I think I never quite. Yeah, I never quite yeah. understood. I always thought you were just like thanking your faith for giving you the opportunity or helping you out in scoring or something like that. Or are you in a dangerous? You're like, like recognizing that. You're in, yeah, like you're like recognizing that. Villa for, game. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. God has really, his plan for me really wanted me to be here, right here, right now yeah. to play in this Premier League football match. I understand it in a dangerous sport that you do it as, like, as it would be like a little bit of a prayer for your own, you know, like if you're playing f American football or rugby or something where you know that there is a risk of being seriously injured. I could understand there that you think it's sort of protective. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is interesting in football where it's just ever present and you do kind of. I also like it when the one that really bothers me and and not to sort of belittle people's religious beliefs, but are when like punters hit a good punt and then they do the like, they like throw the fingers up. It's like you think God really gives a shit about that punt. And if he does, we're really fucked. I'd love how quiet a Sunday would be for God or Jesus. I don't know who's performing the miracle or any other God of religion. <laughs> like to be like, what shall I do today? Oh, I think Arsenal Villa's on. And I think some guy just like asked for a prayer. So should we just give it to him as like a joke? <laughs> just give him like the three no win? <laughs> well, maybe that's what God's done to me. Not that I necessarily believe in any higher power, but... Well, there's Maybe that he's brushing his teeth power? in the bath. Yeah, there's some twat no. brushing his teeth in the bath. Yeah, let's just fuck with him. <laughs> I really like <laughs> that idea. The first five times he brushes his teeth, we're going to make it work, and then we're going to stop. But he's going to do this. Watch it. We're just going to watch the rest of his life. He's going to go brush his teeth when he wants something good to happen. No, come on. God's way smarter than that. He's going to stop for a while, and then at your when you grab that toothbrush you're like this is the last time i'm gonna do this and then it's gonna work and you're like oh it does work and it's gonna repeat that cycle until you question it again and it's your final attempt and it's gonna work again god knows me better than that he knows that i would never stop 
it's i also like the idea now that not that this could happen but someone's just going to their first time listening to this podcast they're going to like skip ahead to this section of it and they're going to think we're some like religious sporting podcast be like god wouldn't do that to me god god knows me better than that guys (laughs) eddie speaking of punting and and god i think if god is affecting outcomes he must not like punting because the punting in the nfl is miserable now it is the worst it's ever been i don't get it i seriously think i could become an nfl punter with a year's practice i genuinely believe that and i do not understand how they cannot consistently the thing i never understand is why they can't consistently get the ball to go out of bounds inside the 20. i don't get it i don't get what happened to the coffin punt the coffin corner what happened to coffin corners i understand that you don't get the risk then of a turnover so okay there's the one thing you're giving up but I don't understand why someone can't just angle a punt and be like, this is going to go out of bounds somewhere between the five and the 20. And that's a good result. Yeah. And how are they so bad at determining distances still? Like how, how can they still punt it eight yards into the end zone? Oh, sometimes even that. further than that. Sometimes it's like just full on, like nearly landing beyond the end zone. <laughs> and you're just like, what happened to you? Did you like, did you have extra Weetabix this morning and you didn't factor that into your punt power? Your punt power? As if it's like Madden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, I don't. I don't get it. I, I honestly don't understand. And obviously you seem now more and more like Australians coming over to be punters and like field goal kickers and stuff. I do not understand why NFL teams are not just raiding professional rugby teams for players who could very clearly, very accurately put a ball in a corner, you know, nine times out of 10. And especially given the fact that almost every NFL punter, if he is good and is signing long-term contracts, will be getting paid more than virtually every rugby player on earth. So there's no financial reason not to make the switch. And you could, I mean, we always used to speak about this, right? When Johnny Wilkinson retired, he could have had another 10 years as a career as an NFL kicker or punter. Like you you can even take someone like post-career and be like, hey, do you want to give this a spin and see how you go? Yeah, I don't get it. The other thing I don't get about kicking in the NFL is how can they make 60 yarders but still are miserable at extra points? Like Buckner is the classic example. Buckner has missed six extra points this year for the Chiefs. Six extra points. But yet he's, what was the stat? He's like three for three over 50. Like how is this I don't understand. I don't understand how you miss an extra point. I'll give you a mild pass if it gets blocked or there's like a bad snap. I still don't think it should really get blocked because you should fundamentally kick it at a trajectory where it would be unblockable, assuming that you're, they've not just like hopped over your line and are directly on the kick. But if they're just sticking their hands up, there's no reason why an extra point should be blocked. Like a, a 50 yard or sure, because you have to have the lower trajectory. But um, yeah, it, it kind of blows my mind. The other thing that bothers me too, you hear like Pat McAfee, who's obviously spun his like post-retirement career into a pretty successful media career. He talks yeah. about the struggles of being a punter and the injuries that they have how they like blow their knees out and stuff for the effort. What I don't understand about that is surely they don't kick the ball that much harder than say a goalkeeper kicks it. And you very rarely hear about like a premier league goalkeeper 
having severe injury problems because of the goal kicks and like kicks out of their hand that they have to take. Like it's not commonplace to have like knee and hip injuries just because of kicking. I'd say a keeper kicks more as well. In a game yeah, part, and yeah. maybe, okay, maybe not often with the full power that maybe a punter or a kicker puts into that single effort, but still they're over the course of a match, they'll be doing it far more and at quite, you know, so that to me, and I'm not, obviously they are getting hurt, but part of me feels like that's technique based rather than just the sheer, even, even rugby players, same idea, Like you don't see many rugby players just suffering from chronic, like knee injuries from the extension of kicking. Like they might get it through the impact that they have elsewhere, but it's not like, oh, I, I, my body was perfect. Apart from all of those, all of those penalties, I could kick, and my knees just fell apart. <laughs> the numerous hits were fine. It was that that free kick I took. No, it's crazy. Yeah, like yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Like, oh, my body started to break down because of the free kicks. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else was okay. It wasn't me leaping high into the air. That was that wasn't an issue. It was literally those two or three free kicks a match I took just took a toll on my knees. So actually, speaking of kicks, there's a pretty good bad burn in the Steelers game. So for those who are watching, the Steelers were up 13-6 going right before the half. And the Steelers went to kick a field goal, a 54-yard field goal, and Boswell missed it but they were called for a false start. So because it's a false start, the play doesn't count at all. So the defense can't just like decline it and go into the half with the missed field goal. So they backed him up to 59 and then he hit the 59 yarder. So he missed the 54, but hit the 59 and that pushed the halftime under over to the over. So that would have been a pretty bad burn. Although I'm not, there can't be that many people betting a first half over under Steelers Cowboys game, but for the one who bet the under and had that happen, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I think if you're betting the first half over under in a random regular season game, then okay. you've got bigger problems in your life than whether or not the bet lost. <laughs> like I think you've what's, got real issues. What's what's who's the person who's got more issues? That person or the person who's brushing their teeth during injury time to try and force a goal? Oh, the guy with the first half over under bet. That is much so now, more revealing about larger life issues. So now who's got the biggest one? The guy who took the first half over under and is also in there brushing his teeth because yeah. I'm describing someone on that podcast right now. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, look, you say this, but, you know, people around me start to believe it slowly, but surely people, people are convinced. Okay, okay Sydney. Okay. Sure they do. <laughs> Yeah. You keep telling your, your concussed head that. <laughs> yeah, go lie down. <laughs> I'll tell you what, all listeners, if you ever want to try and bring on the power, you can, in your moment of <laughs> need. it's a power. <laughs> what is this some sort of, like, it's one of those, like, self-help seminars yeah. that you go to. Like, yeah. unleash the power in you. Exactly. I'm four, I'm four episodes into the, the Nexium cult on the vow on hbo and this eddie you could be you could be in this cult <laughs> you could be the leader ah oh, i would i would love being a cult leader i actually think i would have made a pretty decent cult leader but the the next if you if look if you doubt this if you're skeptical about the power of the toothbrushing or the room shifting by all means next time a team you've bet on or a team you're supporting is struggling a little bit late in a game 
you can reach out, just go on Twitter, mention us, say that you need it, say a specific game and exactly what you need to happen. If I'm available, I'll let you know and I will I will do what I can and you'll see whether or not it works. We can put this to a test, a scientific test. But you can only do it for one person at a time, right? You couldn't have like five people commanding I'll you have to, to constantly move around. But what if, if one person has one outcome and the other person has the other outcome in the match? Yeah. I will be fair and I will turn them both down. I won't I won't try and claim fifty percent <laughs> success rate. Or okay. do you just choose one? What if you've got an outcome that you want and someone else has got an outcome the opposite way? And they try and use my power against me? Blocked. Yeah. <laughs> instant instant block. I'm sorry I can't help you with my superstitious thing because you might lose. <laughs> like Then it's exactly. not a thing. Instant block. <laughs> but also, here's just to be clear, there's actually not scenarios in which um, actually American football, I don't know, I guess there are scenarios. It's very rare that you could kind of have either side of it, if you see what I mean, because it tends to be one team needing the luck to push it over. So it's unusual that you could kind of want, if you're using the power legitimately, it's on, it's, uh, it's Stop uh, calling it the power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it would be unusual that you'd have a scenario. Like the only time I could see it working on like both a, sides like, like a, a end of a game late goal line conversion. stand yeah exactly yeah, like, like an bucks end of game giants two point conversion yeah bucks giants you could have messaged me and been like i need this for the giants so that would have been like too bad you've Sorry. lost Sorry. already brushing my teeth and i've got my tom brady jersey on so this one's over well we're just gonna have to test that as the uh, year progresses hopefully we can get some people to tweet at you and see the the power of the power. I'll, I'll tell you what, I will I will document it on our Twitter. If it ever gets to brushing yep. the teeth stage, I will publicly post. Now, here's the thing is I'll then have to analyze whether that interferes. You know, like is <laughs> whether announcing it be... interferes with the outcome. It might, it might do. I'd have to test it. It might dull out, the power. Might. Yeah. It might Wait, do. so you're gonna need like a PA to siphon through potential bet busters because that could be the superstition that ruins your bet. It could. This could be you like engage putting... with the superstition of the toothbrush. Yes. Oh, first man. I need to first I need to do like a blind test to assess whether or not uh publicly posting about it impacts the effectiveness of the toothbrushing. And then once I've determined that it is not a factor, then we can do a full test of the toothbrushing. We could do it with me because I don't think I've ever called upon you to act okay. on a superstition. Okay. Next time you need it, ask. I mean, look, the thing is, it's not a hundred percent. So you got to ask. Like, <laughs> what? Don't disclaim it publicly. <laughs> oh, if it was hundred percent, it would be too powerful. It's so good. Governments, it's, it's a, governments would be calling on him if it was 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I would have been getting a, a phone call from Donald Trump a few nights ago telling me to start brushing my teeth. You know, I would have been on a on a flight to Philadelphia and just been brushing my teeth for the full eight hours. Just yeah, but then Gritty would have knocked your teeth out. <laughs> Maybe. But no, I mean, look, I'm guaranteeing an above 50% success rate 
which I know you're going to be like, well, they're 50-50, but they aren't because needing a late goal is not a 50-50. Like you, Man City don't score a late winner 50% of the time. So if I give you 50% success rate, that's actually a size. Better than what it rate. normally would be. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying 50. If you ask me over the next few weeks, Sam, you ask me six times, but they also have to be genuine. You have to want it. You have to believe. <laughs> There's a lot of stipulations in this power. <laughs> so do I well, have to send you a photo of me? Like, you know, like, come on. And no, you I don't have want to send photos, me a photo just of you to be clear, brushing I don't, your teeth. I don't, yeah, but I want no. to know that you're brushing your teeth. Uh, yeah, look, I'm honest. I brush my teeth. <laughs> no, I know you brush your teeth. No, I, I will do it. You, when you tell me... You, when you tell me to do it, I like if possible. Obviously, if I'm at the supermarket, I'm not going to like whip out a brand new toothbrush. <laughs> no, just just, just... <laughs> what I mean is, you, it has to be something you really want. You can't just be like, I happen to turn on this football match. I think I'd like Leicester to win. Okay, here, can you start brushing your teeth? I'd like a late winner for Leicester. It has yeah, to there be, needs to be financial is, implications. And it or, can't be like or, the first or, leg of like a 10-leg parlay. No, it has yeah. to be like you're near the end of the bet or maybe yeah. your bet's on a knife edge late on. Yes. Or I'll take it for I support this team and this is a big match and I need something to happen. It doesn't just have to be bet-related, but it does have to be meaningful. Okay. Mm. How strong is it if it's support-related and financially-related? Does that oh, then I like brush my teeth, and then I use rate? brush my teeth, and I use Listerine after, and it's hundred percent success. <laughs> Specific type of Listerine, mint. I'm a purist. It's part of the cult. In my cult, we don't have the Kool Aid. We've got the Listerine. <laughs> All right. Well, with that. I think we should end it. Stay tuned for Thursday. We can talk about our outcomes from the previous week. Spoiler alert. Sam got Oof. bent over. <laughs> and not in the way he likes. Not yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it was not, not an enjoyable one. It was Scarlett Johansson with a strap on. <laughs> Speaking of which, I said the Avengers was on the other day and I just couldn't watch it the same. All I kept picturing is her in her Black Widow outfit with the strap on. I mean, maybe that's why she accepted the role, right? Because maybe she thought it was some weird group sex. She was like, you can be part of the Avengers. We all wear costumes. It's a bunch of us. We just take call it the Avengers. Yeah, just call it the Avengers initiative. <laughs> we take on You're this like guy this with this massive. Spider. Yeah, we take on this guy with this massive fist. You know, <laughs> she's just like, okay, I'm in. And then she turned up. She's like, oh, it's a movie. This is disappointing. Where's Vasilis? <laughs> yeah, we're not filming in this tiny apartment in Paris. This is very strange. All right, boys. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Here we go.